Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you'll find several speaker feeds with over 400 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs of these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Lonnie. Hey, Lonnie. Hi, Lonnie Compulsive Overeater. Thank you. Um, No thoughts at all, except I'm really grateful to be here. I'm grateful that I found it without needing additional directions. I used to live not that far from here. This was in the strike zone of where I would go. Not so much today, and I'll get to that part. I've been in Overeaters Anonymous since February of 1986. I came into Overeaters Anonymous, I was 340 pounds, give or take a pound or two, depending. Um, And I came here totally fear-driven. Many people would go, no, that's not your basic personality. No, it really isn't, and yes, it is. It's not my personality, it's my core. My first meeting... I sat in a room, small room, step study room. We were studying the AAs 12 and 12. I was brought up on that first and then found out there was the thing called the big book. But I I sat in that room and for the first time ever, I was 43, I'm 73 today, I'm 30 years abstinent. Um, I said my name, that my name is Lonnie. And I'm a compulsive overeater because that's what I heard the rest of you say. And I remember the only thing that went off in my head at the time was, oh, my God, there's a name for what I do. There's a name. You did not look like me at all. I rather relished in being terminally unique. I will describe that to you now. Uh, Up until I was about 57, I was an only child. And then I found out that I'm not really an only child. My mother, I have a half-sister, my mother put her up for adoption at birth. But up until that point, I was an only child. And my background is I'm black, white, Japanese, and Hawaiian. And it's an even quarter split. So I can divide myself from you instantly. (laughs) Instantly. See? Nobody else, I don't think, in this room can probably make that claim. And yet, um, I lost that terminal uniqueness quickly. Because the thing that I identified with was the thing that I said that first night in my first meeting. My name is Lonnie, and I am a compulsive overeater, and I had that. And that was a Tuesday night as I sat there wearing my muumuu top, my homemade pants, um, you know, like hair out here. Um, I wanted men's shoes. I can't even begin to describe you, to describe, oh, and pants, you know, thoroughly rubbed together as only they could be in the, uh, in the thighs of somebody, 5'6", weighing uh, 340 pounds. Today I'm 5'4". I'm more pissed off about losing the two inches in height than I am at all about the weight. That's the truth. And so I went home that Tuesday night, 1986, and I was kind of done. I bought the AA's 12 and 12, and as we read around the room, my job that night was to let you know that I knew how to read. I'm a really good reader, by the way, I, but, you know, I, that I knew how to read. That was it. That was really all I cared about. And as I counted ahead, there were about 12 people in the room. So as I moved ahead with the paragraphs, don't screw up and read the wrong paragraph because I can, you know, make my voice rise and drop as punctuation demands, blah, blah, blah. All in the head. And so a couple of days later, the friend who gave me the piece of literature that kind of described OA, she says, well, are you coming back next Tuesday? And I thought, no, there's something on television I know I should be watching. That was before VCRs. And 
And the truth was, I, I was too chicken to tell her no. And I was in such bad shape. And the thing that I could identify with being such bad shape was, remember, it was, it was after the Christmas 2000, I mean, 1985 holiday where I celebrated as only I knew my family knew how to celebrate, which was make everything sweet in the world and consume it in vast quantities. Um, but I was terrified. I was terrified at that point. And it is that degree of fear that brought me to my second meeting where I was able to listen just a little bit. I wasn't hooked to come to Overeaters Anonymous. I have tried diets. I'm not a great dieter. You know, I will look at you and I will lie. Yes, I'll eat that. Yes, I'll, I'll measure. I'll weigh. I'll do that. I'll, you know, no, I won't. And, and for the first time, I think I really told the truth to somebody. You know, the truth is I'm going to lie about this. I'm not going to do this. So maybe I should just come to the second meeting. And I came to the second meeting, same little room, same little spot. By the way, I know that room well. Spent a long time in it later on, doing much better things. But at that time, that was a busy little meeting. We read. We wrote. And we shared to candlelight. We had a speaker. All of that took place in an hour and a half. So one of the things I okay, proved that I could read, I could also pretty pretty much write and express myself, and I could listen. And I don't know how it happened, but there was a young woman there, and she asked, she wanted to be my sponsor. And I thought, I don't want a sponsor. I didn't come here to do all of this. You know, we're not going to rub elbows and be sponsors and be best friends and all this. Give me the diet. I need to learn how to live on two acorns and a grape. And if I could live on two acorns and a grape and I could give up 150 pounds, thank you very much. I am gone. My life works just fine. It doesn't work that way. The longer I stayed, the less I knew that it doesn't work that way. I wrote a little something down because today I have to repeat things over and over and over again. At 73, I don't have the brain I had at 43. You are so blessed. It says... My condition is that I cannot control or moderate my condition under my own power. My condition is that I cannot control or moderate my condition under my own power. I came here under my own power. I came here to moderate my condition. I married early. I was born and raised right here in Los Angeles, in Watts, California, actually. I have three children, which I've most dysfunctionally raised all by myself. Thank you very much. And that was part of my fear. I did not want to have a heart attack and have some other person dysfunctionally raising my children. I was going to do that all by myself. And the funny thing was, I just stayed. I think the, the first, the first, the first 28 years of Overeaters Anonymous have prepared me for the last two. Remember I said I've been abstinent for 30 years. It means that it is, is my food. I don't like to say that my abstinence is not perfect one way or the other. My food plan has shifted over time. My food plan began and is bottom line for me. The meal begins and the meal ends. There is a start and a finish to things. It does not continue and trail on through the day and the morning and the night around the corner and in the car. No, it begins and it ends. And you know what happens? I get to do my work and then lunch. Hey, lunchtime. Lunch begins and it ends. No more trailing. No, 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 no. And then dinner begins and it ends. And often I speak to myself, the kitchen is closed. And I get up and I do it again the next day. So I said the first 28 years was, I feel, was prep 
for the last two because there's been more changes in the last two years of my life than have easily been in the last 28 or goodness only knows how many. Um, two years ago, my husband passed away and I was married for over 50 years and that's a story for another program so we won't even ask about that. And the family home that I lived in for 48 and a half years, uh, I sold it. But right before that, and just a couple of months after my husband passed away, we, my daughter had moved in when he died, and we were seriously burglarized. Seriously. It was not pretty. It was bad. And I thought, if there was ever, if I was ever being given a sign, that's a sign, Lonnie. What's that a sign? The sign you need to get yourself up and move on. And my best friend a few years ago, she, we talked, and we kind of could see how my, you know, how my husband was doing, and we knew it wasn't going to be long or too well. And we talked about maybe moving near each other and being able to be of some emotional support for each other. And I thought that was really good. And our families went along. Yeah, that sounds really good. Yes, we like that. Little did I know that she did not, he outlived her by two years. But in the meantime, she took me, after one of our retreats, she took me out to Seal Beach to Leisure World. Now, I laugh about this all the time. This is because when my children were little, I actually... And they remembered this, and now they're not little. And I said to them, don't you ever let me go there. Don't you ever let me go to the world of leisure. Don't you let me go. If I say those words, you have me committed under an assumed name, and you tell them I'm a pathological liar, and don't let me out. So when I mentioned to my daughters, yeah, I'm thinking about moving to Leisure World and Seal Beach, they got on the phone, oh, my God, what is mom talking about? Anyway, long, the long and short of it is, not only did I have to clean out and clear out, Everybody's stuff, we used my garage, my closets, my home for storage, me, my stuff. I'm not a hoarder. I'm a collector, but I'm not a hoarder. <laughs> True. Big difference. Okay, I will collect DVDs, but, you know, I have flat spaces and surfaces and stuff. But I had a big house, so I was able to collect a lot of stuff. And bit by bit, big chunks, bit by bit, cleared everything out, cleared the garage, cleared the house, contacted a realtor and talk about having to take the, the things that I have learned in Overeaters, in Overeaters Anonymous, working the 12-step program, itty-bitty baby steps at a time with a time frame attached to it by me. I sold the house. I moved to Seal Beach and I lived in Lamert Park and if you don't know where that is it's about three miles west of USC in the very now popular Crenshaw area where there's lots of construction in the Crenshaw line and they're in the papers about every month or so and I couldn't stay any longer and wait for the prices to go any higher because I needed to leave I had already received enough signs that said I'm by myself now I need to go I've never lived alone I'm not terrified of that at all I didn't worry I don't worry about my food because you know Breakfast starts and breakfast stops. Lunch starts and lunch stops. Same for dinner. But I live alone today, and so that's very different. The meeting that I've been hermetically sealed to on Westchester on a Thursday night, anybody in the world that tell you, go there and you'll probably find me, and if I'm not there, you'll name two other, three other people that are going to be there. It's still my home meeting, but in December I will also stop working in the corporate world. And I frame it that way because I'm not exactly certain what I'm going to do beyond that. But I'm not one who can sit around watching Dr. Phil and eating bonbons. That is just, that cannot be my life. That cannot be my life. And I've realized I'm turning into one of those little old ladies that I make fun of. Oh, my goodness. You know, I make fun, I make fun of people who go in the grocery store, fill up their cart, and then lose it. 
And they have to announce over the loudspeaker because they've lost them. Oh, my God, is this my fate? No, this cannot be my fate. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous will save me from that fate. So that is kind of what the big shifts. And I'm still adjusting. I just last week finished, um, had my patio completed, and blah, blah, blah. There's always something to do. I had all these to do in my big home. Sold it and moved. Don't miss it. And now I'm in what is it? What to me at first sound it looked like a very tiny space. And I realized now it's a perfect space for one person. And I cleared out so much stuff. I'm very particular about what I let in. If I buy a book, I have to let a book go. And I just mentioned books, and that just triggered something. And I want to talk about that. My entire life, I've been a reader. Remember, I said I'm a good reader. I'm a good reader. Been a reader. Read everything. Read books all the time. Movies, love movies, collect movies, DVDs. I've got them hidden in the closet right now. Something to be dealt with. But I, I, I'm that person. And when I moved, the funny thing is, I'm having a hard time reading. I love, tell me a story. Spy story. Scare me just a little bit. Tell me a story. Let me see if I can figure out who the serial killer is. I'm a happy girl. And all of a sudden, I, I'm not reading necessarily. And I lived in that place for two and a half months with nothing but a bed because all my stuff was in storage while they refinished my new place, floor, walls, everything. And uh, I would use the computer in the library or go to work and use the computer. I was forced to learn how to use the iPhone thing. I really don't like it, but my daughters have insisted, okay, I'll I'll give. Um, Remember I said a lot of changes for me. Where was I going with this? Okay. Pardon me? Thank you. Thank you. See, I I get that. You know, it's like squirrel. Okay, I get that. Um, So uh, all this time, I've always loved those two things. Read, we'll read everything. And I don't anymore. And so when I was journaling early on this year, like maybe January 1st or 2nd, and I was doing some, some serious writing, and what I wrote, because I wrote about, wow, oh, you know, I'm not doing this anymore. I lived for two and a half months with no television, no internet, no television. And, you know, I learned I could live with very little. But what I learned is I ate to escape the life I created for myself. I also read and watched movies to escape the life I created for myself. And I no longer feel the need to escape. And that's my today's story. Because tomorrow's story, I might need to escape. And if I just need to escape, believe me, I'd much rather read a book or, you know, watch a movie than to compulsively overeat. I also don't eat sugar. And I've gotten, and I have a neighbor now who wants to, um, she makes sugar-free things. And, oh, she's just, she comes over, she knocks on the door. She's the cutest little lady, and her hair's pink. Okay. And she knocks on the door, and she says, she says, this is made with Splenda. And I'm like, about a pound and a half of it? I don't think so. You know? Oh, you, you must taste this. And I finally said to her, oh, don't do that. One, even though I might use a packet of Splenda in my glass of iced tea, and I'm fine with that. But I don't eat a concentrated chemical like that. Things have changed for me. My taste have completely changed. My taste in food have completely changed. I'm much happier with it being simpler. Sugar drives me in a way that is frightening. You don't become 340 pounds living on two acorns in a grape. You just don't, people. And I'm not 
exercising and moving like I have been and I need to, and I'll, and I'll get there on that. I don't worry a lot of stuff. And I'm older, and I heard older people say this on the program, and I really hate that. But if you're not doing those other two things, then you really don't need as much food either. Wait a minute. Let's go back and rethink that. i got a sponsor. I'll write about that. We'll talk about it. Um, but I no longer do things, any activities, to escape. If I really strongly feel the need to escape whatever I've created for myself, take ownership of what I need to escape from, there's things, and I was at one this morning, at 8 o'clock this morning. It's called a meeting. And here's another one of my fellows. I don't have to tell you a long story as to maybe why the recipe for whatever that is, blah, 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 called to me when I read the ingredients. But never mind, pretty picture, you really don't need that. If given a choice between that other thing that my neighbor is always knocking, well, she doesn't knock so much anymore because maybe I've insulted her by not eating her thing. Um, but one day she, uh, she brought me a peach. <laughs> and I thanked her because I eat peaches. You know, that was very nice of her. And they just know that I'm the neighbor that moved next door, that, that it kind of eats a little on the quirky side. She doesn't really need to know anymore. I don't need to blather. I don't need to launch into huge explanations for what I do and why I do it. If someone asks, I'm happy to share. I've never been ashamed of being an Overeaters Anonymous. I've been proud of being an Overeaters Anonymous. You know, not very, a few short years ago, I'm sitting at my desk one day. My boss, I've been at the same company for 17 and a half years. My boss rounds the corner and stops dead. And he says, that's a pie. Because on my desk were two Marie Callender boxes of pie. <laughs> and I said, wow, you must be an engineer. Boy, you really have insight. You know, because I work for a group of engineers. A little sarcasm. And he just kept looking at it. He says, but that's pie. And then he looks behind me because in the little shelf behind me, I would have an apple and a banana and maybe a plum or something. Boy, 17 years, same, same, same thing. And I said, yes. And I offered him the explanation. I just kind of felt it at that moment. And I said, you know, my husband calls and he said, please bring pie. And across the street was pie. And I went across the street to Murray Calendars about the pie. And I happened to leave them on my desk until I could take them home. I offered an explanation. Usually I don't. I'm not kind like that. And he went, wow. And he said, all the years that you've worked for me, I have never seen you with any dessert on your desk. Because I don't eat dessert. But I'm the lady that if you tell me you're hungry, I'll offer you my apple. You know? And I thought, that's a good thing to be known for. That is not how, he has not a clue. And he doesn't have to have a clue. You know, and, and, and neither does anybody else. So I'm proud of my membership in Overeaters Anonymous. I'm happy to share my membership in Overeaters Anonymous. But it, being in this 12-step program, not just in it, but trying to work it to the best of my ability on a daily basis requires some certain actions that I never thought I would have. I didn't come here. I didn't come here looking for those things. I didn't come here knowing that I had a condition that I cannot control or moderate under my own power. Remember, I said I just needed to figure out how to lose 150 pounds, and I'd be, I'd be just fine, thank you very much. And that wasn't the truth. I was very far from just fine. I won't even go into detail because we're on tape on the dysfunctional background. I've heard it before. You've heard it before. Mine might be a little stranger than others. That's okay. If you really want to know, you can speak to me after the meeting, but I won't put all of that on tape. It's blah, blah. So that comes down to the what's under my own power stuff. I get up today a lot different than I used to get up. My first day of abstinence, my first day, 
Day one, a Friday, thank you, not a Monday. I start nothing. I won't start a new job on a Monday. I make sure all my jobs either started on a Tuesday or maybe a Friday or something, but never on Monday. Just a mental thing. Okay. But here it was a Friday morning, and I had been to the 100-pounder meeting, which in those days was huge, horribly rowdy, embarrassingly robust, foul and profane, funny as all get out, and I was horrified at what I heard and what I saw. And this was at the federal building in Westchester a long time ago, I mean in Westwood a long time ago. I was horrified, and I was fascinated. And I thought, I'm horrified because I can't believe you people are yelling and screaming and banging on things because somebody got a year's worth of absence. I didn't know what that name, what that word meant. And I was fascinated because you spoke my language. You spoke my language. I understood. And I stayed. The major blessing to me in Overeaters Anonymous is that I didn't leave. When I woke up this morning, kind of early because I get up kind of early, I accepted and I received the gift. I say this often these days, but I had to work into that dialogue. And I speak out loud because, you know, I'm by myself. Who cares if I speak out loud? I speak out loud and I say, thank you. I accept and I receive the gift this morning. I accept and I receive the goodness of the gift. When I started doing that, there is something mentally, uh, an attitude adjustment, if you will, that just kind of lowers a little bit. And it says, oh, that's right. I don't have to struggle. I don't struggle. I don't have to, oh, if I could just, oh, if I could just get it today. You know, I, and, I, and I hear this. If I could just get it or I'm trying to get it. And I thought, well, if I believe and accept and receive it, then I don't have to struggle to try to get it. That's upon awakening. And then from there, well, let's see, I'm going to have a breakfast pretty much is in the parameters of what the breakfast always is. I'm going to have fruit. One fruit is no longer a watermelon. I used to think one fruit was a watermelon. This was a contained unit of one. My sponsor, I'll say watermelon, and she'll immediately come up, how much? Okay, it's not a whole one. Okay. Um, and then I'll kind of have a plan. Generally, if I'm going to work, I take my food with me. It's going to be salad. It's going to be, it's going to be something that is healthy and good for me. If it's going to change, I can make changes. I am in contact with my sponsor every day. And I do send in my food sometimes before. And some, usually by the end of the day, I will make a commitment. And it stays within a certain parameter. Once in a while, it exceeds the parameter. And I'm going to speak calorically, but not anything else. That's the food plan. That's how the food plan works. The abstinence. The abstinence is I've accepted and received that this morning, upon awakening, I was given a gift that nothing else could give me but a power greater than myself. And so because I received it and I accepted it, it means I already have it. So it means I don't have to struggle. My job is don't give it away. Oh, put a whole different twist on it for me. I don't have to get it. You're not just trying to get it. I don't have to do that. I just don't have to trash it. I just need to keep it. How do I keep it, Lonnie? I'm the most grateful girl you have ever seen. And that is not how I came to you. It was so bad one time at one of the meetings because I, I, I speak English relatively well. I speak profane excellently. <laughs> and, and one of the young women who later became my, my first sponsor and my very dearest friend, she said, you know, we all know how to say that. And I went, oh. 
She said, and we try to maybe not say that so often. Oh, really? I like to conjugate the verb personally, but, you know, okay. If that's how you roll, all right. And so bit by bit by bit, um, thank you. That's 10 minutes for how long? After that, okay, maybe I'll give me the 10, the 10 minute sign. I'll try and wrap it up and then maybe the open for questions. Or I can 10 minutes from now. Okay, I'll two more and then I'll, we can open it up for questions. Okay, so um, the changes that occur as a result of not compulsively overeating, not sedating, not lying and pretending. I used to sit in the movie theaters. This was one of my favorite things. I would sit in the movie theaters and I would eat enormous amounts of food with a big diet soda because I could pretend I was in the dark. I could pretend I would shovel it in. Occasionally I would find things down in my popcorn holes and I would wonder, how did I miss any? You know, I thought I was really good with that. But I could pretend I was escaping again. It was using the food, using whatever I had to escape. You know, not so much. Recently, um, maybe the last holiday season, I go to, oh, over to Westside Pavilion and I go to the landmark and I'm going to go to a movie. And I realized that I planned my day badly, meaning I timed myself badly. I'm reactive hypoglycemic, so my body requires some protein. I've been tested many times for it, and I always flag bad for protein. Okay, I just need to eat more protein. All right. And so I'm there, and I realize that this is bad. I should have eaten before. I don't eat in the dark. I do not eat in the dark. I just don't. And I got to get something to eat. And I don't buy anything, anything from a concession stand, ever. <laughs> And I'm standing there like I don't have enough time to go down all the way down to the food court to find something that might be an abstinent. No, all the way back. No, that's not good. And I'm starting to sweat and I'm starting to shake. Not good. And so I look up there and they go, Hebrew National Hot Dog. I can eat that. I buy one. I get it. I go over. Smear the little mustard on it. There's a bazillion people going by and I stand right there. And I eat my hot dog. And I'm done. I wrap it up. Go to the bathroom, wash my hands, go sit down in the movies. Blood sugar came back up, watched the movie, did just fine. Went home, emailed my sponsor, and the first thing she said was, and you ate that hot dog in the lobby, didn't you? Absolutely, because I don't eat in the dark. Too much damage done where it couldn't be honored, where I, I couldn't um, be truthful. That's not truthful. Hiding, to, it didn't matter that I knew the physical condition of what was happening. It was, I just kind of just don't do that. And that was bad planning on my part. I didn't have any almonds with me or, you know, something that could bring my blood sugar. Eh, well, okay, we'll figure it out. And I did. I figured it out. And, you know, it wasn't candy and it wasn't anything else. And I was kind of horrified that I even had to spend money with those people. I could have brought my own damn hot dog. Um, but it, it kind of worked that way. And so I make my way. I just make my way. I make my way one little bit at a time, one day at a time. I try to give service and show up. So far from perfect, I stub my toe, and I spend most of my time learning from the rest of you. I don't even know if I have any wisdom to impart all the time. Sometimes I have great wisdom to impart, and I tell one of my sponsors, I'm going to impart this wisdom, and she immediately gets something to write it down, because if she asks me again, I won't be able to give her the same wisdom. So write that down. Okay, that's your lesson for today. And... I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. I can't think of another place that would give me what I never thought I wanted. 
I did not plan to spend the next 30 plus years, and hopefully there's some plus behind that, going to OA meetings and giving service and helping and doing things. And yet that is the way my life is, and I just can't think of it being any better right now. But you know what? I'm open. I'm an open book. Bring it, I say. I'll accept that just like everything else. So I'm going to stop now because I'd like to go for questions because sometimes I skip over things and then someone will say, you know, you were going to do so-and-so. So I'm going to end um, just uh, my share and please ask questions. Thank you so much for letting me share. Okay, how do I keep my enthusiastic attitude? I don't know. Um, remember, I woke up this morning, and you know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of funny. I'm a, I'm a child of the of morning energy. This is not my most energetic time, people. You know, but I had a late lunch, so that's okay. Um, but I'm a child of morning energy, and and this is who I am. The, the, the good, the bad, and the indifferent, this is pretty much what you get. I don't have low lows. And so, um, often if I just want to change my attitude about something, I went shopping at Costco for my next-door neighbor the other day. Yesterday. Okay, that was a bit of a stretch. But you know what? When I got done, I felt much better. I gave a little service. So, there's a hand back there. Yeah, I was wondering, I, um, I was wondering if you, you mentioned that you were off shower and sugar. Can you... Okay. Okay. The question is that I was off flour and sugar, and can I explain that? Like, no, like I, I, I'm not off flour. Oh, sorry. The sugar. I do not eat sugar. Yes. Early on, when I came to OA and I was going to that horrible, huge, raucous meeting over there in West Los Angeles, a guy stood up and he talked about sugar. And I was new. Within the first two months, I'm thinking. And he talked about um, the co- reading labels. What do you mean reading labels? And he said, you know, if you like to drink, in those days I liked coffee with lots of Cremora in it. Well, the truth was I liked the sugar. Once, you, once I removed that, you know, I practically don't drink coffee anymore. True. And I also liked ketchup. Ketchup rice. Oh, man, I love that. Yeah, well, the sugar content of, of both of those is probably about, what, 68% sugar or something. It's some huge high sugar content. I'm a sugar junkie. I crossed the line a long time ago. I'm, hold that, please. I am a cucumber. A long time ago, I was a pickle. When a pickle becomes a cucumber, I'm sorry, when a cucumber becomes a pickle, it never goes back to being a cucumber. I can be a doggone good pickle. But I will never be a cucumber. I crossed that line. I crossed the line when I was a child when one serving of ice cream was one pint. Not a cone like the other five or six or seven-year-olds. A pint. Because that's what my 300-pound grandmother ate. And that's what it was for me. So sugar for me is not an option. It is not good for me. And the truth is zero is an easy number. Not having it, super simple. Impossible number. Have one can't do that it one I, I must consume everything so I can see one more quick excuse me okay no hello hello no I don't listen I'm going to impart some wisdom what I say about imparting wisdom here it is my condition is that I cannot control or moderate my condition under my own power, okay, under my own power, I cannot do any of that. Step three anchors me. 
all the rest, of, I was terrified of step four. What? You want me to do what? Take my inventory? Surely you just, I've done nothing wrong, but I can take yours. Thank you very much. But you know, step three anchors me. I receive a gift. The gift is from a power greater than me. I don't give anything. Yeah. So, under my own power, I would suggest that you work with your sponsor and maybe go to a good step study and begin to really go into step three. Wait, hold that. Does anybody else have a question? Okay. Uh, go ahead. Thanks, Bonnie. Um, can you talk about if you have a morning routine and also a little bit about your relationship with your higher power? I have a morning routine and a little relationship with my higher power. I have a morning routine beyond the getting up in the bank a bit and, and you know. Uh, there's a couple of things I read from right now. It shifts. It has shifted. But I like to read uh, Voices of Recovery. Voices of Recovery was actually written by Overeaters Anonymous. People in Overeaters Anonymous. I like to read the big book. So I'll read a couple of pages of the big book. And when I say read it, I no longer read the big book for the plot. I don't read any of them for the plot. I, I seek entertainment. I read it a lot, many times for the plot, and I learned to slow it down and read it one to two pages at a time and then kind of meditate on it. I meditate. Who knew? I, medit- I, set the little, I set the little alarm on my phone and I meditate. Sometimes I can go almost a half an hour. Oh, my goodness. And I found out that it doesn't mean that I can concentrate that whole half an hour on my breathing because the brain goes in, the brain goes out. But I've learned to say not breath and kind of or something to bring it back, bring it back and concentrate and focus. And sometimes it'll be a little chant, you know, with the good coming in, the, 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 the fear, anger, shame, resentment and whatever else going out, whatever it is, whatever it is. Um, so I meditate. I don't journal. I, I journal for years and all of a sudden. I don't want to journal, which means I probably need to journal again. <laughs> That's simple. Um, I give thanks constantly. And when I'm on the freeway, because I, I get up at 4, I hit the freeway by 5.15, 5.20, out of going to Westchester, coming out of Seal Beach, and I begin to pray. Thank you. And I'll wrap this up. For everybody that I can think of ever, and everyone that they know, and everyone who's passed, they cross. All the people on the freeway. It, you name it, and I'm there. And it, it won't just be the people in this room, but everyone that you know and everyone that they know. And I figure eventually it will make its way back to me. So far, so good. Thank you for letting me share.